This is Series 5 of Brave New Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Lou Hamilton, and I welcome you to the Women's Impact Project, in which my guests share how they are positively impacting the world and the courage it takes to do so. If you're interested in making a difference by guesting on podcasts, you can find out how in my latest book, Dare to Share. This week's guest is Rachel Mason, founder of Our Remedy, an award-winning CBD oil brand with a focus on sustainability and natural self-care, established after finding out she'd never conceived naturally due to cancer cells on her ovaries. Struggling to find a CBD oil targeted specifically at female health issues, she decided to create one herself. Welcome, Rachel, to Brave New Girl Podcast. Rachel, how are you? Hi, Lou. Thank you so much for having me on this. I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to be talking to you about CBD oil. There's lots I want to know about it. Um, I have been using it and it's been um, helping me. So yeah, I want to know the ins and outs. So in the last couple of years, you know, we've all been um, going through this kind of very, very strange time, very challenging time for many, many people. I know that you did have to take your product online because you were mainly retail. So can you talk about about that journey that you've been on? Yeah, of course. So uh, my um, business career, I guess, kind of started with um, co-founding a chain of retail stores. So that was um, vape stores. Um, There were 30 of them. So I was very much in the retail space. I wouldn't say I didn't focus online. Um, My background's also graphic design. But I didn't really do as much online at all. And so when I started Our Remedy, which was just before sort of January 2020, so COVID was not a word anyone knew about, I thought I would, uh, I've got the keys to a shop, so I got my first shop for Our Remedy, a little office space, and I thought that would be the route I'd go down And with having stores, and we had just opened just another CBD store as well. Obviously, lockdown happened. I'm a mum as well, so nursery is closed all of a sudden you're at home and all you've got in front of you is your computer and your phone and a, four, a three, a two-year-old at the time, two-year-old. You, what can you do? You kind of have to think on your feet. And I'm sure it was similar for a lot of people. I've got the keys to this lovely shop space, all these plans and nothing I could really do with it. And it did make me change direction, but I actually think it was really beneficial to me because I've learned so much in that time. I've First of all, I decided to start really trying to grow a community on Instagram um, rather than just have a product that I was selling. Uh, So I I started that. I started really engaging with people and talking to people. Everyone was online. Everyone was on Instagram. It was the perfect opportunity to do that. And I do think I've built up quite a a nice, engaged following. I put a lot of my own personal life on the, the brand as well, which I don't think I would have thought to do before. And also focusing on things like SEO and digital marketing strategies was slightly new for me. And it has been a bit of a learning curve, but it has been really exciting. And actually, I love doing email campaigns, <laughs> which I didn't really know that before. I think I hated it before, but now I love it. And I think you just learn to connect virtually in this new world we live in. But there are ways to do it. And I have still managed to start a brand and grow it focusing online and actually reached a lot more people I'd say so obviously I'm able to reach the whole world now so that was quite exciting and I hope CBD helps a lot of people which means I'm helping more people 
I want to go into the product and and what you do a bit later on. But first, I'd like to give some context to sort of who you are and where you came from and what your upbringing was like and who you were as a as a little girl. Okay, so my upbringing was actually very ordinary. So I lived in a semi-detached house. I have a lovely family. Um, went to a nice school. I wouldn't say it was anything out of the ordinary. It wasn't particularly hard. Um, I was definitely labelled as a shy child, which is something I only recently have learned that I'm not. I've just always assumed because everyone told me I was quiet and shy that I was and actually quite damaging for your confidence. And it's only been in probably the past three years. I'm 33 now. So just to give you an idea, it's only in my 30s I've realised I'm not actually shy at all and I'm actually quite a confident person. But I think I was always so worried to try things and even act confident in any way because I was told my whole life I was shy and you don't realise actually how I, I know now because I read a lot of books about parenting because I've got a child I know how damaging it can be to label someone something because then they just kind of take on that label so I got I grew up with a lot of sarcastic comments like oh stop talking Rachel you're talking too much and it would just kind of make you not want to talk because you think oh I, I don't like that when you're I was a bit shy, um, makes you worse. But actually, I really go to a lot of effort. If anyone says the S word around my son, I just won't let them call him shy. And I always tell him he's confident. So instead of saying anything negative like that, um, maybe take it a little bit too far because it's, you know, you take what you've learned about yourself in your childhood and you try and change it, don't you? So, yeah, I don't use the shy word around my child. And I'm so happy to have discovered that actually I am quite confident now. I I felt very shy when I was little and that and how that came out was that I don't know how it was perceived from the outside but inside it felt like I wanted to say things to people and I wanted to make friends with people and I wanted to approach people but you know other children but um I felt completely unable to so I felt like I was sort of completely hindered um or imprisoned but I sort of lost myself in in art and reading and and books so how did you find yourself so um actually literally exactly the same as you I was such a reader as a child I read so much and also art was absolutely my passion so from a really really young age it was just kind of all I did really all I wanted to do um I would spend my lunch breaks at school in the art class rather than like with teachers rather than necessarily with friends. It was just always what I love doing. I don't, th- I don't know if that's how I would really say I found myself. I would say I found myself by gaining the confidence to actually try things, which in the past someone would have said, oh, Rachel won't do that, she's too shy, when actually I've, I've realised, no, I, I can do it, and then I try it and I'm actually fine. For example, like public speaking is probably not something I would have, ever imagined growing up that I would be able to do but I'm I'm actually not that bad at it like I see even now I'm not even giving myself much of a confidence boost there but I'm I'm quite good at it and it's I quite enjoy it so I just kind of wish somebody a few years ago had said Rachel try that you know you'll be good at that instead it was oh Rachel won't like that so so I used to be phone phobic until probably in my late 40s so if anyone had said to me um, oh, well, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be talking um, with 
um, complete strangers every week, um, anywhere around the world, um, on a podcast. I would have just like, there's no way I'd be able to do that. But but actually, when you discover the reasons why you want to do something, I think it really helps, and it, it you just kind of get you push past the tech or the thing that the barrier that is stopping you, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And so, when you left home, what did you go and do? Did you go to art school? Yes, I did, and I studied graphic design. And I would say that is what has put me in a really good position today to be able to start a brand and start a business because I can I could probably whip up a brand quite quickly and build a brand quite well. And I like to think the visuals of our remedy are consistent and something that well I love them and they feel like an extension of me and all my thoughts and I think that's really nice so yeah I think yeah having that art school background and that graphic design has definitely helped me to get to where I am today and then you said that you went on and and built a chain of retail so how did that happen so that came about because um my partner at the time he's still my partner he's now my husband um he was in LA this is about 10 years ago um he was in LA and he smoked he was a smoker but he noticed people were vaping and he thought this is going to be big in England and I was working just in a corporate office I'd only just graduated but I was in a corporate office it was just not really for me and I knew it wasn't for me as well it was nine till five here's your lunch break I just I really didn't enjoy it I loved what I was doing my job role but I didn't enjoy much else so he come back and said, let's open the shop. Let's give it a go. So we just started it together. So I built the brand and that side of things. We opened a shop. We both worked in the shops. And in five years, we grew to 30 stores. We opened some franchises, all company-owned stores. And, yeah, it grew fast um, with us two just working on it nonstop, really. I mean, that's quite extraordinary, isn't it? So what were, what were the challenges along the way with that? So challenges with uh, the vape industry are, oh, it's really hard. It's the same with CBD, to be honest. It's considered guns, porn, paraphernalia, that kind of thing that people don't want you to give you bank accounts. People don't want to give you payment gateways. You're not allowed to do paid adverts online. There, there are a lot of challenges with running this sort of business. It, it does make you get a bit more creative, which is why we went down the retail route, because it was also very new. So having people in face-to-face, to help them to quit smoking was um, was really useful. But yeah, there are challenges in both of these industries, definitely. And that's strange, isn't it? Because in both of those industries, you're trying to help people. So you're trying to help, you were trying to help people give up smoking with an alternative that hopefully, you know, with some of them, it is actually better than, than smoking. Um, and and still you you found that you were up against old ways of thinking yeah absolutely so it is hard it's a hard industry but you are helping people at the end of the day and that is probably my biggest passion if I'm helping someone I'm going to find ways around it and I get the reviews about how much CBD is helping people and that is what motivates me every single day so we're not actually allowed to display reviews on our website which is really hard because if they make a medical claim in the review of something it's helping I have to edit the review out so they can talk about the brand and they can talk about the delivery but they can't make a medical claim because I can't display it so yeah that's a real shame that's another challenge yeah so I wonder 
when you're talking about it, when we are going to be talking about it on this podcast, is there a problem with that? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I hope not. <laughs> I think I, I'm allowed to talk about it from a point of view where I can say it's helped me and my personal experience um, because that is personal to me. It has it has done that, so I am allowed to talk about that. That's okay. So all our blogs, for example, will be get people to write about something personal that's helped them rather than CBD could help with endo. So talk about has it helped somebody and what it's done for them, that person, for example. Mm. And so there you were, you were going along with these 30 stores and at a certain point you started trying to conceive for a child and then all sorts of health issues started kind of tumbling out, didn't they? Do you want to talk about what happened and, you know, eventually you did come to CBD, but but you had quite a journey to getting there. Yeah, so I was obviously I was opening these stores and it was in vaping. I mean, I would never say it was absolutely my passion, but I do really like helping people. So I was really happy to be helping people quit smoking. So I was happy about that. But apart from that, it wasn't something I was like completely passionate about. But it all really sort of stopped for me when, yeah, I started trying for a baby and I had a few issues with my tubes and I had some surgery and I come out of the surgery and straight away they said to me, there's no way you're conceived naturally. Um, your tubes are totally blocked. Um, it would be IVF for you, which was really upsetting. I was only 26 at the time. And that's, that was really, really tough to hear. But IVF is an option and people have IVF and I had heard about it before, so it wasn't too shocking and I was really lucky to have one round of IVF and have my son who's now four so it all did work out really well for me in terms of that but all of this health issue and this worry and the appointments and it really took me away from work really so I would say at this point I, I maybe wasn't doing as much and I was very distracted with my own health issues and then my son was a year and I, a year old and I knew I'd want to do another round of IVF and because I'd had cysts before and had to have the cysts removed to have the IVF, I thought I was a bit more bloated and I thought, oh, do you know what, I've just get this checked out in case it was another cyst. I knew I'd have like a six to eight month wait list to get it removed. So I went to the doctors on the Friday evening and the Monday morning I had a call from them to say I needed an emergency appointment. Uh, so I rang my GP, who was a really lovely lady, and she said there was something on the scan, but it wasn't a cyst. And they weren't really sure what it was. So I should go straight to the hospital, had CA125 marker checks. That was just numbers to me at the time. Now I know that to check your cancer levels in your blood, so cancer markers. That comeback was raised, so that was a worry. Two days later, I had an MRI. That revealed a tumour. And they didn't know what sort of tumour it was or anything really about it, but it was on it covered one of my ovaries totally so it was quite big they thought around 12 centimeters by 12 centimeters so wasn't exactly small two weeks later I had open stomach surgery to remove that and they checked it at the time which come back as a borderline ovarian cancer so it hadn't quite turned invasive but it wasn't not cancer so there was somewhere in between and that when I come out of the surgery and I've recovered I had a meeting with my gynecologist and he said the only advice he could really give me was to have a full hysterectomy. I mean, I was 30 years old. I definitely wanted another child and I definitely didn't want to be in the menopause. And it's all very, it was all just very new and 
scary, all these words and these meetings. I mean, most of the meetings I went to, there was about five doctors in the room. I mean, you know you're never going to get good news when you walk into a room with five doctors. So I didn't want to have a hysterectomy. I definitely didn't, but I didn't really know what to do. I had two other opinions. I paid privately to get more second opinions, the third opinion, and everything was the same, really. It was the same opinion. So I decided I would have the hysterectomy, but between hearing I needed to have it and having it, I did fight it and I did try so hard to find any way I could to preserve my fertility. I mean, it wasn't overly successful, to be honest. Um, I did manage to get my ovary Cairo preserved, so it's frozen in, as part of a study. So potentially one day they think that they could be able to make biological children from the DNA in it, but it was just sort of for my own mental health, really, that it wasn't just going in the bin. Um, but I did have the surgery five months later. So this five months for me was a really, really hard time. It was a really dark time where I was really anxious. I wasn't really sleeping. I was just so worried about, first of all, I was upset about not being able to have a second child. And secondly, I was so worried about being in the menopause. I just thought I was going to change completely. I was like, I'm 30 years old. I can't be in the menopause. Like, one, it's embarrassing. Two, it's, people call it the change. Like, what what was going to change? Would I start acting like a 50-year-old? I, I just didn't know what was going to happen, you know. It was really scary. And that was... A, a time of basically not sleeping for me and that's when someone said to me you try CBD for your sleep and see how you get on and I did and I gave it a go and within a couple of weeks my sleep was so much better and so was my anxiety and it definitely got me through that time and at the same time there wasn't really anything that tasted nice which makes you not want to take it so if anyone's tried CBD it's quite earthy um, it wasn't really anything branded nicely which was is quite important to me and I just thought I'd have a go at starting my own I just thought there was a, a little bit of a gap for a CBD aimed at women that looked a bit friendly like that they can look a bit clinical and it doesn't necessarily need to be seen like that so I just felt like there was a need for a brand that tried to understand women's health a bit more especially as I was taking it for my own um so I started it and I guess kind of refer to it as like the, the second child I wanted really because I mean if anyone started a business you'll know it is like having a child and takes up as much of your time and it was something really to take my mind off everything else it was helping me and I wanted to spread the word and that's yeah that's how it come about so I did have the surgery I had the hysterectomy and I can confirm I still feel like a 33 year old woman. <laughs> so did you go into menopause anyway or was were you given something to to ease the, the menopause symptoms? So because my both my ovaries were removed, so it actually come back as a stage three tumour, even in the time of the MRI, it spread to the other ovary and my womb and my cervix. And I can never remember the name of it, a bit on top. So I, I had to have everything taken because it was all covered in the tumours. Um, so removing both your ovaries puts you in the menopause. So surgically induced menopause straight away. So yeah, I was straight into it. But I do have HRT, which I will probably stay on for a few years I think just because I am so young to be in it um, and that was a decision between me and the doctors they do recommend it at the moment uh, especially at, when you've got 20 years before you're meant to go in the menopause. You've gone through all of this quite traumatic period but you've come out it out of it with an idea and I mean you know just recovering from all of the things that you've that you'd been through is quite major. 
and then you're deciding to start a business. So how did you do that? How did you go about doing that? To be honest, for me, I think I do like to be busy. So I think it was the best thing I could have done. Um, And especially as I really like being able to have these open, honest conversations. And that's something I push a lot with our remedy that could do talk about health issues. We, We just shy away from them so much. And then they're not anyone's fault. It's not my fault what I went through. Not, like I can't help it and I'm actually not embarrassed about it at all now but at first when I found out I couldn't conceive and when I found out it was in the menopause I couldn't even imagine telling my closest friends I felt really embarrassed and we really need to break these kind of taboos because they're not good for us to have we don't need to be embarrassed about it at all it's also natural. You knew that you wanted to aim the, the business towards women's health and and really working with the CBD oil to help women with with those kind of health issues so how did you start to kind of create that brand and find your people yes I knew I wanted to aim it at um, women's health issues or people with periods health issues because my colleague at the time also had endometriosis and she started finding it helpful so that amongst um, like teamed with my anxiety and lack of sleeping uh, which was caused really by period related issues it was caused all by my ovaries I thought, yeah, this is the area to aim it at because nobody was, but also I could see how helpful it could be. And I just wanted to make something a bit more friendly and a bit more approachable. So how do you, once you've decided, you know, you've taken it yourself, it seems to kind of be helping you. How do you then go about getting the product? Yeah, so, um, sorry, I missed off your other question as well. So how I found the people Um, was definitely by starting Instagram and communicating with people and uh, sending out samples and things like that. And then in terms of creating the product, uh, with my vape company, we made a lot of our own e-juice. So we're able to then, we've had all the setup to make our own CBD. So we make all of our own CBD ourselves as well. So it's all made in the UK. We get it third party lab tested. So you have to send each batch off to a lab. Then they test it for the CBD content. You get a certificate. That's something you want to look out for when you're buying CBD. So yeah, that was... I wouldn't say easy, but easier for me as somebody with the backgrounds to be able to do it, to be able to create it. Yeah, just get, getting samples out to people to try it, really. And then them coming back and saying, wow, this actually helped with whatever it helped with. Then they'll tell their Instagram followers. So that was a really great way for me to, to build this business. I I have this sort of old idea from, I don't know, probably the 80s of of how you might create CBD oil and I have just in my mind a picture of people growing cannabis plants in their in their on their windowsill so what are you allowed to talk about the process that you go through to to making the oil yeah of course so we buy the CBD isolate from Sweden so not that doesn't that's not we don't grow it and then like that extent but we do make it and mix it ourselves and we mix it with um different essential oils as well just to give it an extra wellness boost really so cbd mixed with clary sage and mint is our moon swings blend aimed more at periods and then the pretty peaceful is mixed with geranium orange and lavender to geranium is great for anxiety lavender is great for sleep so just aims it slightly more at them so yeah that is the process of making it and then we've got bottling machines. So they mix it all up, bottling machines, label it. We do um, some bottles with a, pipette, with a pipette. Some bottles are with a cap because we try and encourage everyone to reuse their pipette and give 
a little bit of discount for buying a cat bottle because the pipettes are reusable and people throw them away. So we're trying to help out there. I want to talk about your um, sustainability and eco-friendly packaging and, and your kind of whole ethos around that. But first, I'd like to address the, the issue of people's perception of CBD. So, so often it's kind of just lack, lack of education. So, you know, what is it and what's the difference between what you're offering and the one that kind of has hallucinogenic properties? Yeah, so I will do my best to explain this. So CBD is one of 120 cannabinoids, which, yes, it is found in the cannabis plant. The one that you're talking about is THC, and that is the one that can have quite negative side effects, um, which you would find if you um, smoked a joint or had a hash brownie or you've seen it on TV. You would know that you'd feel different. So you might see someone laughing more, feeling hungrier, because the THC, the cannabinoids, going into your system, bind into different receptors and then telling your body to feel different. So the CBD is kind of like the really friendly cousin of THC. I heard it referred to like that before, and I thought that was quite a good analogy. It's not got any known negative side effects, so you're getting the benefits of the cannabinoid without the negative. It's very rarely people experience any negative side effects because it is much milder, much softer, it does take one to two weeks to build up. So unlike THC, you're not going to feel the effects instantly. It's, it's just a much sort of friendlier version. So the benefits of CBD have, have been known, well, for, for a very long time, haven't they? And in the beginning of the 20th century, it was being used for sort of medicinal use and, and well-being. And, and then various things happened and, and it's, it was uh, made illegal but then in the in the last kind of even less than 10 years, it's becoming more available, more kind of above board, more kind of accept, accepted. And so, I mean, you're, it's a good good time to be doing what you're what you're doing. But why has that changed that that kind of whole I, the ideas around CBD? I think people are a lot more open to natural alternatives these days. Again, like you say, like it was all about natural alternatives, then it was all about medicine, and now it's kind of coming back round. And I think people would rather find a natural alternative. I mean, if you could find something that worked for you, then why not? I think it's, it's really great. And also with CBD, at the moment, we're going through a new regulation, which has been going on for about a year, which means everything you're going to find on the shelves has had to go through a certain process and be accepted you won't find anything on the shelves now in the UK that is is not good enough to be there uh, which I think is going to massively change the CBD industry so you you have to have been accepted it's called the Novel Foods Act you have to have been accepted and they're making sure all the companies are doing all the right things with their CBD it's going to change it so much because people can worry oh is what's this is this right who is this brand but now you know everything on the shelves has been checked thoroughly and is regulated. So I think it's a really good thing for the industry. And I'm all for doing whatever you can yourself to, to help yourself. And for those who are sort of already on other medication, I know with things like St. John's wort, you, you do have to be a bit careful about uh, pairing that with medication. So do you, do you have the same issues with CBD? So we advise that anyone speaks to their doctor if they're taking a medication, because firstly, we aren't doctors, but also so many different types of medication. One thing I will say is when people feed back to me their doctor's answers, I am finding 
even in the short time I've been doing this, a lot more are saying, that's fine, try it. So that's really exciting as well. And um, the, the doctors do seem to be quite open to it. What What's the impact that your product has had? I mean, you've talked about it for your for your own health, but for those of the um, your customers, you said that you can't actually show the testimonials, but you must have had stories of people that people have shared with you telling them how it's helped them. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've had so many, I get so many amazing reviews. It, it genuinely is what motivates me to keep going. Periods is probably the top one, which is why you'll find us aiming it mostly at that because it can be really helpful with inflammation. It can be helpful with inflammation if you twisted your ankle. So it can be helpful with inflammation um, for your, your period cramps. Um, it can also help your hormones. So if you find yourself really hormonal, um, your prostaglandin hormone is the one that causes your cramps. If you've got high levels, they're worse, and it can help balance that, be helpful for that. Um, the second reason I would say is probably anxiety, that we get people com- we've got comments about, and they're probably sleep. Um, sleep's the, probably the third one as well. Like, get a lot of reviews about people saying it helps with their sleep. And one of my favourite reviews ever, and this has actually happened twice now, is um, someone who said they're trying to conceive and they've actually changed, taken CBD and then they fell pregnant. And that has happened to me twice in the two years I've been doing it. So I think that's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying do it, but, you know, if you want to talk to a doctor about that, then definitely should because, yeah, I think that's incredible. I guess the idea behind that being that if it's relaxing you and stopping you being so anxious and giving you more sleep, then your body's more primed for conceiving yeah there's that and there's also the fact it does contain omega-3 and 6 which is really important for egg quality so yeah there's a few few things Mm. and what are the possibilities for the future then with the product I know that you did talk about trying to make wellness products as sort of popular and normalized as women think about their beauty care products yeah, so I think we kind of live in this very strange world. When you really think about it, I would spend £30 on a mascara, which I put on, which really doesn't benefit me in any way. But then you're kind of reluctant to spend money on your supplements, which really benefit you from the inside. And I've only thought about this recently, but I, I have always been someone that will um, spend money on supplements and mascara. But well, some people don't. I think, oh, I can't spend... 30 pounds or 20 pounds a month on these supplements that's crazy but you would spend it on something outwardly that does no, no benefit to you internally whatsoever so I really really want to push that and so I go down the route of trying to be a brand which educates people which is more like lifestyle self-care like looking after yourself beauty starts from within and also being really sustainable so my idea for the brand is I want to be a wellness brand that just creates sustainably produced products um, which is so important to me so no plastic everything is printed in a non-toxic ink so inks can actually be quite damaging for the environment so I only work with printers that use non-toxic ink organic suppliers and cruelty free suppliers and we make donations to bloody good period which is a period poverty charity so just trying to be a wellness brand that kind of champions the inner beauty it's amazing and really fantastic. Kind of everything about it just rings in such an authentic way with so much integrity that's really come from 
your own experience, but which reflects the experience of so many women. Yeah, so many women. It's actually really surprising like, how many people say, oh, me too, and my friends. With everything that you're you're trying to do and everything that you've experienced and the impact that you are trying to have, how do you define courage? I would say courage is when you're scared to do something, but you do it anyway. That's courage to me. Thank you so much, Rachel, for bringing your focus to a wellness product for women that addresses our health issues in an eco-friendly and natural way. I'm using your oil for sleep and my daughter is using it to help with her period pains. So we're really grateful to you. And also after talking to you this week, my knees have been really badly damaged by running too fast, too quickly (laughs) um, after being a bit sedentary. And so when you've said that it helps with inflammation, I'm going to go and take it for that too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you should. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Rachel. Take care. And bye. Bye bye. Thank you, Rachel, for showing us that where there is a will, there is a way. And that when we are confronted by health issues, often we can help ourselves and others in the process. You can find out more about Rachel's work on www.ourremedy.co.uk and follow Rachel on Instagram at It's Our Remedy. Thanks to Silk Studios for producing and sourcing the guests for the show. And thanks to you all for listening. Take care, choose courage and see you next week.